0: Hello, listeners. This is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening smartly to At, at the, the Bridge, Bridge Pod, Pod, a at Chelsea FC, FC podcast, podcast, although I would describe it as the
1: Chelsea FC podcast.
0: Nice enough, It's time for another episode of At The Bridge Pod, your number one Chelsea FC podcast, coming up on this episode. Can't multitask, you know, it's like speak and take a picture. That's difficult for me. A, a I'm, a, I'm only a head coach, you know. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. And we were in two minds whether to do a Monday episode or not. On, on Friday, we said no. Uh, we, we lied because um, here's an episode and it is Monday. And on this Monday, it is, it is just the two of us. But Ollie, can we make it if we try? Oh, of course we can, Mikey, of course <laughs> we can. We
1: don't, you know, we've, we've not got the, uh, the powerhouses of, uh, of Chris and Berth with us. So uh, we're just going to
0: have to muddle through as best we can. But I'm, sure I- I'm sure we can make it. I'm sure we can. I mean, what, how, how was your weekend, first of all? My
1: weekend was very uh, well. No, it was it was pretty good. I, I hung out with with my girlfriend a bit before, sort of uh, before she travelled back to where she was going. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been a, a relaxing one. It's been good, you know. Ready? I was ready to tackle the week
0: this morning, so uh, it's gone well. That's good. I, I mean, for me, you know what you know what's coming. Everyone know they're like, oh, here we go. Take a shot. Get ready. <laughs> NFL, NFL was back. Uh, Sky had chosen the Patriots at the Dolphins, which was fine. It was a fine game to watch, but once they went to the Steelers at Bengals, which ended in our our listener, Chris, yes, celebrating a Steelers win. Damn. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if if no one paid attention. doesn't matter. What an entertaining, dumb game. Long story short, just so many missed game-winning field goals in overtime. And it it was kind of like watching Javier Hernandez take a game-winning penalty for the Galaxy. You knew it was going wide. You just knew it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Poor guy. Oh, Javier Hernandez, come on, we, he'll get a penalty score. He'll score one. He's he's got it in him. He really. Has. They need
1: Kepper on their team. You know, is is <laughs> so take a penalty from the, from the FA Cup final? Uh, no, that I mean, like the uh, the field goals. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, I <laughs> felt oh, oh, You get it straight mem- bad through the memories. Upgrades.
0: Flashback memories there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean today will be a a shorter episode, but we're going to be using the time to take this a, a deeper look at some Chelsea news that broke over the weekend. First up, uh, we've discussed this off air, but Thomas Tuchel released a statement on his Twitter account about being sacked by Chelsea. Which I, I did have the whole thing up, but I'll just quickly go through it. And he just said, "This is one of the most difficult statements I've ever had to write, and it is one which I hoped I would never not need to do for many years." I'm devastated that my time at Chelsea's come to an end. It's a club where I felt at home, both professionally and personally. Thank you to all the staff, the players, the supporters for making me feel very welcome from the start. And obviously he went on to talk about Champions League and Club World Cup victories. Um, for me, no emojis, no hashtags. That statement got a two out of ten based on that. <laughs> uh, come on. I mean, I'm expecting when it's a professional manager or a footballer, fire emojis, thumbs up, you know, smiley, sad face, you know. Just what, finish what? it with hashtag Potter out. Oh no! Oh yes, that would have just been just one load of applause emojis underneath. Brilliant. What What did you think to the whole statement? Does it happen it was, often?
1: Uh, no, it doesn't. That's the thing. It's you know, a sp- it's it was a very heartfelt statement. Uh, you know, I felt like um, I feel like what that has done, in a sense, has given closure to a lot of a lot of the Chelsea fans because with the way that things did end with Tuchel, there was sort of that feeling of you know how has this just sort of come to an end How is it just so abruptly finished and to actually get those words from Tuchel himself um you know was a was a very nice little gesture from him which he didn't have to do mm. um you know uh, to to really you know and it really shows how much he was connected with the club and the fans and to a certain degree how much of a shame it was that he was sacked but ultimately with the with the news that we've we've seen coming out despite Tuchel's affinity for the club, um, the writing was probably on the wall for a while in terms of his sacking.
0: I, I don't often read all the statements that managers and players because I'm so used to seeing on on Instagram a player apologising for missing a penalty. It's yeah, you 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 missed a penalty. You did your job. Just don't worry about it. But when it comes to <laughs> a manager did your it's, job just poorly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty accurate, you know, no bonus payment for you. For a manager, it, it it does. It is quite nice for him to obviously give back his his th- thoughts and feelings, especially with the fans. And you know, everyone remembers how he reacted when we unveiled that banner at Stamford Bridge. So it is nice. And unfortunately, this this is how this is the life and times of a manager, especially at especially Chelsea. one at Chelsea. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you 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 come in and. You're not going to be there for twenty years or so, like Ferguson. It doesn't happen. It doesn't. Well, happen.
1: especially when you're when you're a manager. On, when when you're a manager that came in under Roman Abramovich, you knew you were.
0: You, you were there got to about win and, three years.
1: Yeah, you, you on average, you know, like you, one, the second
0: you came in, you know, you have to win and you have to perform straight away. Otherwise, you know, you're gone. I would always and, say uh, to look at the rental market instead of buying because it's it's not really worth buying a house in Cobham because if you're the manager at Chelsea. You're going to be selling that maybe for a loss because people know you're going to need to sell that house when you're fired. So, but you hey, you get it. a good payout. So, you might not need to sell it at all. Your bank balance is a lot healthier. Graham <laughs> so, Potter,
1: just a little bit of financial advice for you. Bit of
0: advice. I mean, <laughs> moving from then a I don't know, sad, sad story, I suppose. But the Times reported that Chelsea are interested in hiring Luis Campos as their sporting director to work with Graham Potter. Now as many know Campos has been working as an advisor for PSG since June and the telegraph reported that Todd Bowley is understood to be unhappy with both the performances and structure of the squad. <laughs> ah, well, um and that he has already spoken with Campos about joining the club. Uh, what what's your take on Campos as a potential incoming director? It's a it's certainly an interesting one. I don't know too too much about him, but I know that he he was
1: fairly instrumental over some of the work that um, PSG was sorting out in the summer, um, whether you see that as good or bad, um, you know, especially considering um, Mbappe's contract and things like that. I don't know if he had much of a hand in that, but I would assume if he's, if he's at the advisory level, he will have had some say. Um, and that sort of, you know, that it's very contentious over whether that was a good or a bad move um, for, for PSG specifically. I don't know. It's sort of like a, he's a bit of an unknown quantity at least at least to me and at least to a, you know a few Chelsea fans I would say. Mm. Um you know obviously you've got the likes of um Paul Mitchell who I believe was uh, Monaco's sporting director is that right? I think and um at one point he was yeah. Yeah, I think he was the one who who I think he was the one who masterminded that Monaco team with Thomas Lamar and um Mbappe and uh, sort of 2016-17 time. Um, just before we walked back a yoga from, it. can you believe that like, he, he was the be- he was the player we went for out of that squad? Oh ah. my god! Anyway, um, yeah, so we've had him, and but I think everyone's really kind of holding out for Michael Edwards. Um, but the, what might have happened is um, there's been a sort of an upturn in talk this week in the news about Bowley and specifically Potter as well, wanting there to be a director of football in place before the World Cup um you know uh, which makes sense you know you've got your new manager in now it's time to to actually put some direction to this football club um uh, and uh, it's felt like for the longest time that burley was holding out for edwards but if edwards is still on his hiatus and simply just doesn't want to come back yet it would make sense that they're exploring other options
0: yeah i, I mean the article goes on to say that chelsea are intending to invest heavy, aggressively again in january which when I hear those words, I assume Todd Todd calls up the club, screams down the line, uh, probably a figure, a random number, <laughs> hangs up, maybe throwing the phone at the door, you know, pushing his mug of coffee on the floor, a bit like my cat does when I haven't fed him. Uh, it's got to be done before the World Cup. I feel if we're going into January, you don't want to sort of end up doing. Let's be honest, we'll bid for Southampton's player that scored a goal against us, Lavia. You know, top talent, but it didn't. It felt very random it felt very reactive which is not what you want in a in a football in
1: in, definitely in a in an elite footballing institution such as chelsea where you you know you really and it to a certain degree it's almost a testament to uh the success of the abramovich era that we didn't really have a director of football that often mm. you could argue about michael emanalo and what he was like in terms of transfers and then marina sort of doing things as well but we didn't really have a proper director of football for the longest time and we were still very successful so now to see Todd Bowley and Co. come in and go, well, what is this? You know, yeah. like this, the the organisation of this of this organisation is a mess. Um, it's almost a testament to how well Abramovich uh, was able to run things. You know, even in sort of like the controlled chaos that was was Chelsea in it during his reign. So it it's an interesting thing now. I think he, he's. It it will be interesting to see how much more. Um, Boley and Co and Igbali and things like that will be involved once there is a sporting director in place. Obviously, mm. they're still going to get some... Uh, they're still going to have their words and they're still going to make sure they get all their WhatsApp messages on time and everything. Um, but it will be interesting to see um, whether if then, at that point, instead of this more sporting director role that Boley's doing, you know, running around the world, good, great meal, wonderful food, um...
0: <laughs> If he sort of takes a step back and decides to do the monetary side a bit more, that that's kind of how he runs the Dodgers. You know, he's put the right people in the right jobs, and then he lets let lets, he lets it, it flourish. Yeah, lets and it, it, it certainly is flourishing. You know, many will say about Luis Campos, why would he leave PSG? You know, I shrug and go, I I don't know. More money? I mean, more yeah. Secure. That's well, that's the only thing that's going to drag you away. More from, more from secure PSG. position, a more secure position because. You know, I'd say not many clubs are going to outbid us if we really want someone. I not know, currently, is, no. I mean, of course, we need to chat to the PSG owner, Kylian Mbappe, about this because he's, he works <laughs> for them. However, when you look at PSG, he's an advisor, he isn't contracted to the club. So there could be something there, I feel. I don't, I feel, yeah, it's there, not there's definitely not
1: the other thing, obviously, that's um. A bit like in when Lampard was at Chelsea is obviously there's that there's a and even more so actually now there's the Elka project, yeah. um, you know and so that's what will attract someone like Michael Edwards or Louis Campos you know away from from uh, you know either Michael Edwards's hiatus or Louis Campos at PSG is actually there's a there's a spot for them at the club which they would hold for you know however long. 10 years maybe you know pulling all the strings it's you know there's there's a certain level of prestige and there's a f- certain level of you know control that they'll have and and longevity and and yeah. that, I
0: think that's all that's all reasons people would say yes
1: i'm sure there's a lot of reasons people would say no
0: you you mentioned him being at Monaco, and he was there from 2013 to 2016, and the transfers he brought in—these names, all successes to a point—I'd say I don't feel it, especially how Bakayoko. they sold them. You've got Falcao, you've got Montinho, Jack Rodriguez, Fabino, Anthony Martial, Ricardo Cavallio, the icon of Chelsea, of Dimitar Berbatov, Bernardo Silva, Bakayoko, Kondogbia, and Thomas Lamar and then obviously he went on to Lille and. Even how, how on earth that squad? How on earth did we we like everyone in Europe poached that squad after they had
1: that that great season? Mm-hmm. Did they win league on? I think I think yeah, they, might they have did. Semi finals, the great champions season, League as well. Yeah, every, and they everyone poached them, and Chelsea went in and came out with Falcao and <laughs>
0: not not and the best, was it? it wasn't it, no. The best. Oh,
1: oh, wait, well, especially when you think about you know like David Silver and stuff was in there as well. It's
0: such a shame, man. Well, sorry, I, hope, Leonardo, sorry. I was going to say, I don't remember that time. That, that's a football manager uh, career save we've done before. Uh, <laughs> I mean, right now at PSG, he's done brilliant work already in, in just one summer. It's something PSG has lacked, especially in midfield. And, you know, they've got Vitinha from Porto. He cost around €40 million. Euros. Renato Sanchez for €12 million. Euros. What a bargain. Uh, Fabian Ruiz for around twenty three, And Carlos Soler from Valencia for 20. Now will they it all It is work? an
1: interesting thing, but Who knows? It, yeah, that's the thing I think the the interesting thing about Campos as an option is that we actually we, we don't know how good he actually is at that job. You know, especially as in an advisory role, like he's not pulling all the strings. Someone else will be doing the work as well. Mm. Um, you know, I'm sure Bowley and Co. will be, you know, I'm sure Boley and Co. will make the right decision regardless of who they end up going for. But Campos, at least to me, it seems like an unknown quantity because we he's never well, at least not in recent times, he's done a um a director of football role. And you can, you know, he, we've only got sort of one summer to actually look at it and go, okay, well, how did he do? But even then he wasn't fully in control of it. So it's an interesting one.
0: Yeah, because obviously that's around 90 95 million euros for four you'd I'd argue different profiles of midfielders and also Nordi M- Mukiele from Leipzig for 13 M- and a half million. Yes, that's the one for 13 and a half million pounds. And he's like competition for Hakimi, which that's only going to work wonders, I'd like to say. You know, at a at a TK, the young French striker on loan to buy, he was obviously someone Newcastle wanted before they got Isaac, Isaac. And then they did miss out on Skriniar and Rashford, but that was what we're, we're told that he didn't want to overspend. And we all know PSG would do exactly that. So, you yeah, I, of... I would also say losing out on Rashford and Skriniar is, is no great loss it... compared, compared to the players
1: they've brought in. Yes, it's, they're slightly yeah. bigger names, but I think they probably, you'd actually get less of a
0: return on your investment than you would for some of the others, especially yeah, someone you... like Mukieli. You can imagine having someone like him at Chelsea; it could work absolute wonders. We yeah, won't overpay you could. if cetera, he is the yeah. one.
1: If he is the one sanctioning that kind of deal, though, that's yeah. the thing. that That would be my one reservation. Is we don't know if he's really in control of stuff over there. You yeah. know, like because, like we say, he's not the director of football; he's an advisor. And PSG's mm. organizational structure is a bit scuffed at the moment, especially with like the power Mbappe has on that. So <laughs> yes, that's still that's, that's I'm still getting over that contract. Thing. Yeah. So wow. we, we, we'll, I think we'll, we'll work it out in all good time. But um, I'm not sure. I, I, don't have enough evidence personally to know if Campos is the guy. I yeah. think people see Edwards as, Edwards as
0: the, uh, as the number one choice. Um, considering the, the miracles he's done. Hey, oh, yeah, before. exactly. I mean, if we really want a director of football, we could just go. You know what? Not Campos. Go for Mbappe. He seems to be pulling <laughs> strings, but from bringing in sporting directors to bringing in other clubs the mail reported chelsea are keen to get a network of feeder clubs going similar to manchester city in their city group now the report had stated that boley and his board of directors have been studying business models of other teams and one area that they see as an opportunity to improve is spreading out their scouting and development plans across europe and beyond and i won't lie i got really excited and then far too much <laughs> about a Daily Mail article. But then I saw they quoted according to The Sun. And I thought, well, um, fuck. No twinned with the test anytime soon. But is this concept a good idea? I mean, it seems to work for City, doesn't it? I mean, you know, they
1: do have a an unlimited amount of money, more or less. That but, helps a lot in football, you doesn't know, it? <laughs> yeah. Um, but the same way with, um, I believe, was it PSG? Um, they also The owners of PSG also own, is it Palermo? Um, Manchester City own Palermo. Oh no, Manchester City City own Palermo. The City Group own Palermo. Um, I think PSG might own a couple. You've got the Red Bull Group as well. Of course. Um, You know, I think that's probably the future of football as a franchise. Um, It's it's having sort of like one main team, uh, you know, in the in the franchise being sort of lifted up by all the others, which you know, in turn, lifts them up. And Mm. it's an interesting idea. I think it's something that could really work for Chelsea. Um, as long as we commit to actually using it properly, <laughs> um, yeah, that's you know, that the we, thing. We had that sort of that pipeline through the test for a long time, um, you know, which was sort of like a a like a, a special relationship we had with that with that club, you know, who were who were, were willing to to take on our loanees and and it worked out reasonably well for some people and not for others. Um, you know, Mount had an excellent loan there. I right? was it Miazga went there and he didn't really. He did, yeah. So did
0: Broier as well. Yeah. Many so, more so as well.
1: Yeah. So we, we've had a lot of hits and a lot of misses. I would say with Vitesse, but I think it's time to actually have that process formalized. Hmm. Um, you know, I could definitely see a sort of like a I don't know whether they'd call it the blue football group or the Chelsea football group or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, it would be very interesting to get some some clubs from maybe. You know, you could have one or two, you you know, you could have one in the championship, you could have one in the Bundesliga, you could, you know, things like that, you you could have them across the leagues. Um, and in in sort of having your fingers in so many pies, um, you know, Bowley's scouting network and things like that will be a lot stronger because, you know, in order to know the teams around there, you've got to know. Your opposition and all the rest of it so there'll be a greater understanding and more data as well which we
0: know Boley loves data exactly I mean um, you know it, it seems like if you can do it properly it's a win-win yeah Man United did something they didn't have a group going in the noughties but they had a, a strong connection with Belgian side Royal Antwerp and about I think like 29-30 odd players went out on loan to that club didn't Some, they sign eye from him? Uh maybe Oh uh, that's Belgian wasn't he that's certainly going back. I mean, I do have a few <laughs> of the players. I pulled them up and I'm trying to think, did any of them succeed? Well, you had Luke Chadwick. He definitely got in the first team, of course. John, yeah. o- John O'Shea was a big success. Yeah. yeah, he weren't world-class, but he was still a success for what he did. Well, that's the thing, you know, Like, you, I think you've got to look at it relatively, right? You know, you,
1: you're getting players from Royal Antwerp, you know. It's not the it's not the pinnacle of football, but, mm. you know, like to actually get players who are possible to be in the Man United team in the noughties that's a pretty good success.
0: Um, even Johnny Evans did a spell on loan over in Belgium. So
1: exactly. I, I mean, so th- I- the one thing you can sort of, you can say about the footballing group thing is actually, you know, in terms of the integrity of the sport and things like that, is it really okay for, for multiple, for an owner to have under, under sort of like a consortium, have multiple teams because of conflicts of interest and things like that. And mm. you, you do get concerned, especially when you see things like the city group and you see them, you know, buying up clubs, they've got like, what is it? Like the New York, uh, New got York New City, York City they've FC, got they've got, they've got Palermo, of course. Yeah, Palermo. Yeah, so, and and it's interest. Yeah, it, I don't know. It seems, part of it to me, it sort of like rings a few alarm bells, you know, of, of like sporting integrity. But if that's the way things are going,
0: that's if that's what you have to do to compete, then I guess that's the way we'll go. I mean, I'd love Deportivo Lacarounia if that was to join our network, because they're a team that... I look at how Man City have bought up former former fallen giants, Palermo being a huge one with their financial difficulties. And La Coruña were a bunch of giants in Spain, and now they play in the third tier of Spain. Yeah, and, that's it, that's, that could certainly be an interesting one. You, you know. know, many more mature veteran listeners will remember La Coruña in the Champions League. I think they were in the semifinals when it was the Monaco-Porto, uh, final that that campaign, and I'd even throw Malaga into the mix here too because we all remember when they were bought up, they did loads of spending. issues. I'm not sure if they
1: were a team that were ever that successful, more successful than they are now. Mm. I would really mm. like if we could get a team like Munch and Gladback on board. Yeah, that'd be huge. It would be I mean, a bit difficult, I think, because they're sometimes in the Champions League, so maybe that's a bit of a problem. But, um, or someone yeah. like a like a I'm thinking specifically of the Bundesliga, but like someone like Union Berlin. You know, like someone, um, the equivalent of like a Brentford, um, mm. you know, for for one of those other other leagues. And it could certainly be a really, really interesting idea for, for Bowley to move forward with.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, whisper it, whisper it, but it can benefit financial fair play. Because all oh. I'll say, you you touched <laughs> on it earlier, the Pozzo family own Watford and Udinese. This summer, Watford sold Hassan Kamara for 16 million pounds to Udinese. That's a 12 million pounds profit, listeners, in less than six months when they bought him in January. Now, I'm not saying he isn't worth that <laughs> fee, but hmm, it's interesting, isn't it? But
1: that's the thing is that is the that that's what makes me feel a little bit slimy about about the idea of a football group. Is obviously the transfers that between clubs. It's almost like you've got like a, a back channel, like an in, inside deal, mm. Um, and you know. I guess that the thing is, is, is when you look at the relationship that clubs have, whether they're good or bad, um, you know, if it's if there's a formal relationship there and they're under under independent owners, then I guess, you know, it makes sense, you know, that they can continue to operate in that way because it benefits everyone. But they're independent. Whereas if you've got if you've got the two teams and they're under the same ownership structure, it just it seems rife for for ethical issues in sport i i could definitely see something like this ending up going to the court of arbitration for oh sport always day, it, but... it'd
0: be it'd be like if we'd have sold malong sa to our new feeder club for 40 million you go hang on a minute yeah you go hold well, this hang isn't right this is, <laughs> he's valued at that yeah i mean i i will probably touch on the kante news in fact i will i mean i haven't even got it in front of me so quickly go to the Simon Johnson piece of The Athletic and he reported Bowling curve set top four as a minimum target this season which is shocking because watching us this season I think if we stop up don't get relegated that's a win but apparently because of this five-year deal we won't be sacking Graham Potter if he doesn't make the top four. So I slept easier knowing that obvious statement. But yeah, uh, that worries me a little bit. I like the it's idea a weird the long- thing
1: to say. I really like the long term planning idea. But the problem is, is two things. There's one that kind of takes a little bit of pressure off Potter, whether good or bad. Mm. Um, You know, whether, whether, you know, he'd rise to the occasional crumble under the pressure. Now we'll never know. Um, But, you know, the, the other thing that you've got as well is, People talk about lowering the standards of the club, and I'm, I'm not necessarily one of these people who thinks that if we don't challenge for top four every season, we are lowering the standards of the club. You know, we we understand that there's there, there's a process that we are starting now. Yeah, you know, it's the it's the start of a, a decade long process under Bowley. Yeah, and so it's going to take time to get there, and that does mean we're in a process now, whether we like it or not. So the only thing I'm concerned about is is obviously not getting Champions League football hinders our recruitment immensely. You know, when Arsenal first dropped out of the Champions League's places, you know, like a, a little while a little while back. So what is it, 2016, 2017, they really struggled in recruitment and it and it made and it made it so they had to inflate all their wages really, really high in order to actually stay competitive and get the players they want. Now granted Bowley's got a lot of money, you know, and there's there'll be a certain appeal about coming to London. We're very blessed at Chelsea to be able to say that. But you do worry without Champions League football, some players will go look at take a look at us if we say came fifth or something in this season and, and go mm, never mind, hmm. you know. And especially
0: in in what would be Potter's first summer window, that could be a real concern. I mean, they did sign Lacazette and Abamyang in that season. They're at the Champions League, the first one, so it doesn't How about make... work out for them. Well yeah i suppose but <laughs>
1: you know it's... and by the end of the time you know they were they were on overinflated wages they weren't yeah. really that bothered and they kind of down tools so you know i you know i don't mind giving players big contracts at all as as we are about to talk about with angolo kante Yeah, um, it's
0: just about um it's just about ensuring that they've still got the drive to to actually compete i mean i know the fans will back potter even Sorry, some listeners may disagree, but if we don't finish top four, because I'd say as long as they can see progress, they'll back him. You know, people, sorry, but people overemphasise fans going against the manager because the only one that I'd say was properly bad and quite toxic was under Sarri. But apart from that, I've never seen the fans outright go against the manager. Conte towards the end. Yes, the text message didn't help with Costa, but let's be fair. Our Who's opinion. back in the
1: Premier League, by the way? Welcome to Wolves, Diego.
0: Diego, D- I can't wait. Can't, and he, his first uh, game, his first game, it's most likely going to be against Chelsea at Sanford Bridge. So fantastic. Brilliant. It's at
1: uh, the start of October. Book yeah. it in the diary, everybody. exactly.
0: Uh, I mean, when it comes to managers, let's be honest, our opinion matters fuck all. Uh, we yeah. all wanted Tuchel to stay. He gone. He He's long gone. So, Engado Kante, the final bit of news, listeners. David Ornstein of The Athletic, he said that a, Chelsea made Kante a verbal offer last month for their new two plus one year contract. He's unwilling to accept this. He wants longer. And apparently the old regime discussed three plus one. Maybe, but who knows? Chelsea are currently factoring in his injury record. Now I understand this, and I'm sure you might have a different take to me. The problem with Kante is when he plays, he's amazing. And we've seen that against Spurs. That's the only time we've kind of clicked this season. But the thing is, he's so injury prone right now that I just don't see how it would be right to offer him a contract so long and such a high wage if he's only available for less than maybe 50% of the games. I know having him for 50% of the games is still amazing because he always puts in that two midfielder type shift, but it's, it's a big commitment. I don't I know what the, you're thinking.
1: The, the, I think the question is, is you have to ask yourself, is it better to have Kante for 50% of your games or not have him? At all? I know. And the, and obviously the answer is having for 50% of the games. Mm. So when, when we're actually looking at it in terms of the, I know some people will look at it in terms of the finances and say, you know, he's going to be paid over 300k a week, he's barely going to play, you know, like it's going to hamper hamper the squad. When you think about how much money has actually left the wage bill this summer, you know, like Barkley's gone, that's, that's 96 or 100k a week right there. Werner went, that was over 250k a week right there. Lukaku's not getting paid his wages, um, the majority from Chelsea this year. You know, there's a lot, there's actually a, a the ability for a lot of money to be thrown around in the wage structure even with the signings of the likes of Koulibaly, Cucurella, Sterling, all of that, even with the new contract for Reece James. There's still a lot of money to be thrown around in my opinion. Mm. Um, and so I I think personally, um, if Kante doesn't deserve that kind of deal, nobody does. Um, mm. you know, you, you can there is a certain sentimentality to look at it and you know, you can say well you know, is he worth it? Is he gonna? Be, he's gonna be injured all the time. It, but in my view, he's still gonna get to play. He's still a born winner. He's still somewhat, even if silently, a leader within the squad. He's a very important and very popular figure within the squad. You know, it feels like it's better off to actually keep him around, and uh, you know, at least if we if we let him sign another contract, contract say it is three plus one. If we're not happy we can just put him on the market in a year and we'll actually get some money for him instead of him leaving on a free, which is what will happen currently if we don't offer him a contract. So it seems like, in my view, offering him what he wants actually will give Chelsea the best amount of flexibility going forward because then we can actually figure out whether we want you know, uh, the the only thing I would say, which will be confusing things a bit, is about whether Potter would prefer to have Kante or G, or Gino in the squad, because a I think it. I think that's a big decision because ultimately they're both out of contract at this summer. Probably only one of them is going to stay. If I had my my pick, I would choose Kante for the reasons I've said already, and I don't yeah. mind the wages and all the rest of it. Um, But ultimately, you know, like you say, our uh, our opinions don't matter in terms of in the eyes of Boley and things like that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Personally, I think it would be worth it to keep Kante. It seems like a win-win regardless.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a wait and see what happens in January. If one is uh, sold, we'll see. I mean,
1: yeah, that's the thing as well. You know, someone might leave in January, especially with what they were saying about the you know the extra investment and things exactly. like that that might be coming in the winter. It would be what I really, really don't want to happen, and what what would never usually happen, but it it only has the opportunity to happen now is obviously because we've got the World Cup, and then immediately following it, the transfer window. Some players are going to have a stock that's much much higher than it should be. Um, depending on how they Always. play in that tournament. So it's really, really vital and important that if Chelsea are going to pay for somebody in January, they're not going to over egg it, you know, because they've had a good World Cup. In fact, I would go as far to say you might want to leave out anyone who's played in the World Cup at all. Yeah. True. You know, uh, uh, just for the fact that, you know, if uh, we, you know, everyone wanted, um, who was it? Was it Spinazzola after the Euro? Oh, he um, is. Yeah, and he got, he, and he got injured. Yeah. And of course, you know, we we don't know how that would have turned out. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you can't, necess- in my view, you can't actually dictate how, how good a player is generally based on the tournament football they play for their country because it's not the football they play all the time. No, of course. You know, wh- whether, you know, whether they're, you know a fringe player in their own squad or or something like that the true understanding of how good a player is is obviously going to be from their regular manager not their national team one yeah um so i don't know for me personally i that that would be the big worry in sort of in january i know they want to invest heavily but you've got to avoid
0: making a stupid choice um, especially on the back of a world cup that's you know unlike any other exactly well, with that, we we've come to the end of another episode of At the Bridge pod. And we are be back. We will be here. We will be back Friday. Uh the Salzburg game is going ahead. The Liverpool game on the weekend is not. So yeah. To obviously we'll be breaking down that Champions League group game. Hopefully it goes better than the first. So till then, that is us signing off. You've been listening to At The Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram by searching for At The Bridge Pod. And if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, leaving us a review is always appreciated.